Welcome to Table Pop, episode 7. My name is Mitchell Tierney. I'm an author, a comic book collector, a game collector, and a toy collector. Uh, my name's Jason Kotzer. Um, Jason Kotzer Yang. I forgot the that I was married and have a different name now, um, which has been for a while. Don't forget that. Yeah, I'm just rambling now. Um, I'm a game designer, and um, I also have a, another job which pays bills. I have another job, but I don't... Don't, don't mention it. No, I prefer no. to say that I'm a writer. Yep. Can't live off that yet. Maybe one day. Mm. I cannot live off selling um, small amounts of games on the internet as yet. Maybe if we move into uh, a cardboard box Yeah, yeah. on the street, we could do it. Yeah. We'll need Wi-Fi, though. Yes. <laughs> and uh, some, some printing capabilities as well. Definitely printing. Um, so what have you been up to lately? I've been back from PAX for a couple of weeks. How's that? Crazy big. As opposed to all the other conventions I've been to, even though um, Tabletop is a pretty small area in there, it was still huge. It was in Sydney? Uh, it was in Melbourne. Melbourne. And, you know, we were crazy busy, played lots of Ragnarol throughout the weekend, a little bit of Hedron. Yeah, good good turnout to play your games? Yeah, yeah, like, we, 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 we couldn't really keep up with demand. At one point, it took me, like, two hours to eat a Vietnamese roll. <laughs> So you're eating and playing at the same time? Yeah, well, you can't, like, eat and play at the same time. So you're just about studying, like, can I play the game? Yeah, sure. And then, yeah. you can't, like, one more bite, can I play the game? Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good sign, though. Yeah, yeah, it was really fun. And that was over two days? Ah, uh, three. Three days, yeah. I just found out that Supernova this this coming weekend is three days. Oh, okay. I thought it was two. Okay. Lucky I've got Friday off work. Okay. So how long ago was PAX? That was a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, a couple of weeks. It was Halloween to like November 2nd. Okay. Were you taking orders for your games? I, was, I was selling a few Hedrons. Oh, yeah? Because it's all, all done and delivered in, in little boxes now that you cool. can buy. But Ragnarol is not ready yet. No, I've seen, um, was it a, a test? The test box or a promo box that you bought over? Yeah, yeah. I, I've got reasonably finished art together now. So it's got pictures of Vikings and dogs and shield maidens. Yep. I like that art. It's cool. Did you draw it? I did not draw it. <laughs> I did not draw it. My friend Ian Glidden. And when, and when do you think that would be out? I'm hoping early next year. It will be early That's next not year. Long. But it just depends how early. Because, you know. Well, there could be setbacks. Like, yeah. It could come faster. I, I think May. Does May still count as early? No. Okay. That's about middle of the year. <laughs> but it's May's still okay. the first half. It is the first half. Uh, yeah. Early May? No, I, I'm hoping to get February. I'm hoping. but. Oh, cool. It's still a fair amount of work to do. That's awesome. What have I been doing? I registered my, my business name, a minor threat press, so I could release my own books as ebooks. I've got the in one edit back of my first book, which I'll um I'll do the second draft and the edit and it should be up yeah, early next year. So early next year. <laughs> Hopefully. Maybe not. May, maybe middle of next year. And my other book, which is a kid's book, will be released through Ouroboros books that will be out next year as well i just i don't know when though and i'm working on that at the moment so yeah both been pretty busy and this week's pod is about dungeons and dragons do you did you play it growing up at all like when you were a kid uh when i was a kid no 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 not at all no apparently you played it in high school that's what it says on this i notes in front of me. i played it as early as primary school oh wow yeah yeah i remember clearly remember going to the library to play um there was one kid in our in our year that that knew about it we didn't have a book we didn't have anything we didn't have dice you just knew the concept of dungeons he and dragons knew, he knew about dungeons and dragons and he told us and we were like whoa that's that's awesome so we all gathered in the library and we played it we didn't have dice we he just kind of told us what our outcome was if we missed uh a shot with a bow and arrow or if we got it and then i didn't play I think I moved on to playing uh, TMNT, so Ninja Turtles, with my neighbor for years. Um, and then I didn't get to play D&D again till um, it's probably high school. Um, but that was about, about the same time that like, uh, Shadowrun was big and Star Wars was big. So I had all these character sheets, and one of them was D&D, but we never really played it. You know, Shadowrun and Star Wars were kind of a lot cooler back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Well, I got into D&D with 4th edition, but we'll get to that later. Um, yeah, so D&D is pretty... Would, would you say it's it's big in the popular culture? Like, it's it's known? Well, it, it's it's becoming more known, I think. You know, celebrities play D&D now. They're cool. 
Vin Diesel. Yeah, that's what they say, Vin Diesel. I, I, I'm sure if you go to um, search BuzzFeed, celebrities that play D&D all have a stupid list, <laughs> like everything on BuzzFeed does. Vin Diesel was on it was Jay Leno or Conan O'Brien or one of those kind of late night shows, and they were asking him about it, and you know he talked about playing it in in New York or New Jersey growing up, um, creating monsters and dragons and all that kind of stuff. So I think that's that kind of gave maybe D and D more of a not a push, but maybe some street cred. Like oh, Vin Diesel, you know, he's a pretty hard dude. He's in all these um, like car racing movies and stuff so you know if he plays D&D or maybe maybe people will check it out who maybe not have heard of it before or didn't really have any interest in it we should say today that this is going to be like a part one of two so today we're going to actually go over Dungeons and Dragons itself yep with the actual role-playing game so we're going to talk about the role-playing game a couple iterations as well as its main competitor Pathfinder next episode we'll be talking more about Dungeons and Dragons themed board games yeah yeah I am I've got Descent mm-hmm. on my Christmas list. Oh, on your Christmas list. Okay. So I don't know when we're going to do the second one, but if we can wait till after Christmas, we may have Descent to play. Okay. I'm pretty sure that's D&D. Um, well, when I say like D&D, what I don't necessarily mean is, you know, D&D yeah. licensed. I yeah. mean D&D-like. Like the uh, the sword and sorcery, yeah. Lord of the Rings-ish, yeah. magic swords yeah. um, and we'll, we'll genre. Get, we'll get into the kind of vague influences on what makes Dungeons & Dragons, Dungeons & Dragons in a little bit. But Descent is essentially D&D without the Game Master. The reason why I kind of put that on my list was I just thought there was a lot of expansions recently. Mm. There must have three or four expansions at least. And they have the miniatures and the... I don't think it's a tile-turning game, I think. Is it? No, no. I, I, I think you kind of pretty much lay everything out and yeah. then you, you know, blitzkrieg through the dungeon trying to kill as much things as you can. That's always fun. <laughs> so how, how nerdy is D&D? I've got here very nerdy. That's what you've written on the <laughs> I tried to explain to someone a couple of weeks ago. They said, oh, what are you doing this weekend? I said, I'm playing Dungeons & Dragons. And they're like, oh, I know kind of of it. I know the name. I know the words. I don't know what it is. And I tried to explain it to someone who had no idea about role-playing or dice or the community or anything like that. And I, I failed miserably. Like, it just, I just sounded horrible. Okay, well, this is a do-over then. Mitch... <laughs> What is Dungeons and Dragons? What is Dungeons and Dragons? I would say Dungeons and Dragons is a uh, it's a, a character based role playing game set in a, a, a fantasy setting. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what's a role playing game, Mitch? So role playing game is more like uh, each person gets a character. For example, Dungeons and Dragons, you could be an orc, a human, an elf. I think you can be a goblin. No, you can't be a goblin, can you? Uh, you maybe, could. maybe. Um, Not important. No. Um, and, and then there's, there's a, a DM or a GM, so Dungeon Master or a Game Master. I don't know which one to use. Like, If you're playing Dungeons & Dragons, you say DM. If you're playing anything else, you say GM. Okay. That, that's, the, that's written in... Yes, in, in blood. In orc blood? Yes. Yep. Okay. So there's a, a DM, and they control the game or the, or the campaign. They might invent it from scratch, or they might get um, one of the... Hundreds of books out there that D&D or Pathfinder have released. And there's a whole set campaign, and they'll hopefully read it ahead of time so they know what they're doing and kind of guide you through it and, and, let, and give you the option of what you want to do. Yeah, and essentially what happens is a collaborative story that is moderated by dice. Outcome depends on the dice. Yeah, and, and the player's decisions, of course. Yeah, definitely, yeah. And you can work as a team or you can work individually. Um, I mean, when, when we play, sometimes we work as a team, sometimes individually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The mo- most enjoyable thing about Dungeons & Dragons, for me at least, is the, you know, the role-playing bit. Yeah, you want to kill monsters, but you, know, you, you, ha- you have a character and that interactions that you can have with your friends when you're kind of just messing around and creating stories is really fun. So you might want need to talk to the local innkeeper and find out some information. And you talk in a group uh, who has the best persuasive yeah, skill. Yeah, who has the best sort of persuasive built skills. And you can totally play it like that, trying to like you know solve a puzzle. Okay, I am the best person for this task, so I will do it. Or you can just be like the brutish, like, oh, I'm I'm like a half-orc, and I'm just going to go up to the innkeeper and punch him in the face unless he gives me some gold. Yep, you could do that. It might be an outcome to that. Yeah, so normally you, you'd look at your, like, oh, I've got plus three to persuasion. Um, roll a d20, plus three, whatever you get. 
and then hopefully you'll get a better score than anyone else and be able to get that information. So there's about six dice that you use in uh, D&D and Pathfinder, any role-playing game. So you've got a D20, which is the most popular one, or the most used. D20. Yeah, Dungeons & Dragons is kind of like a D20 system. Yep. At least third edition was called the D20 system, and that was like a, a system they licensed out. And so it's based on if you're going to do something, such as jump over a fence, hit someone in the face, try and persuade someone, you roll a d20 and add some stuff, and if it's a high enough number, a cool thing happens. I remember using a d100 at one point mm-hmm. growing up. Do they use them anymore? Um, not really. A massive, like, almost tennis ball-sized dice. Uh, not really. Generally, when they want to do percentile stuff, you do. You use 2d10s. Yep. One of them has just one, one through nine, yep. or one... Th- one through ten. Yeah. Another one has uh, everything one through ten again, but times ten. So ten, twenty, thirty, forty, etc. And you roll both, and if you get you know ten on one and three on another, that's thirteen. Um, so you got the D twelve, D ten, a D eight, and a D is for dice. Uh, a D six and a D four, and sometimes there's even a D two. Very rarely. Mm-hmm. In Pathfinder, they have a D three. How do you which, do a D three? Uh, you roll a D six and halve it. Okay. Round up. And D two is just. Like, flip a coin? Yeah, flip a coin. Flip a coin. <laughs> or, you know, get any result and essentially divide it by um, half the dice. So if I roll a d20, I can divide it by 10, and that's my d2. Yeah, see, this is getting past my sort of comprehension. Yeah. People, like, our DM will just say, okay, what are you doing? Um, I'll I'll do this. I'll try and jump over, and I'll try and stab him with my long sword. Okay, mm-hmm. roll a d20, and I just read out the number I get. Yeah. And the, and and the DM will keep secret what the what your um, the guy you're trying to hit what his armor class is or any of his bonuses. So you have no idea if you're going to hit him or not. Generally over 15, I go okay. I pretty much did it. Anything under that, you're like, oh, did I hit him? I don't know. And we'll, we'll get a little bit more into what the different versions of D and D might give you. Let's get a little bit back to kind of popular culture around D and D. D&D has been really part of popular culture for a while now, and it, it's got the kind of weird thing where something where it's big enough of itself, it influenced popular culture, and popular culture is influenced by it. So we're at a point where it's pretty much accepted, but back in the 80s, there was a little bit of moral panic around D&D, uh, yeah. um, because essentially you are sitting in the basement rolling um, divination cubes or divination hedrons, yep. as in dice. <laughs> And um, converting, conversing with demons and, and the such. Yeah, there was that kind of... Yeah, Satanism. Like, say, <laughs> yeah, if, if you're playing D&D, like, you're a bad person and you're trying to summon um, demons and stuff. There's a, I think, a movie early 90s, maybe late 80s with mm. Tom Hanks in it. Yeah. One of Tom Hanks' early roles um, called Mazes and Monsters. And it's about um, this, this kid. And it's, it's based on a true story, but it's, it's um, very much off track mm. about this kid who... Um, they thought, um, like, you know, played too much D&D and they went a bit over overboard and got lost in labyrinths, like um, sewers and stuff. Yep. And they thought, like, he just went too deep and essentially committed suicide. But what t- turned out is that, like, he just didn't get on with his parents and he was staying with his friends for a couple, couple of days. Oh. But that, that's, not, not, that's not the story the movie gives. I, I want to watch that movie. Yeah, um, I think it's on YouTube. Oh, is it? Good yeah, it, it's, it's old, so no one really cares about it. Mazes and Monsters. Mazes and Monsters. Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Did you ever watch the Dungeons and Dragons movie? The one with like Jeremy Irons and Thor Birch. Yep, and uh, one of the Wayan brothers. Yeah, and does it have a uh, Corey Feldman or something in it? I I I got it. I didn't get around to watching it. Oh, okay. I looked at the trailer and went, I don't know if I want to waste like two hours of my life watching this. It's a bad movie, but I think it's bad enjoyable. Bad enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. It's not even cool like eighties bad enjoyable. This is. 2000s? Yeah, we can still enjoy the 2000s, ironically, I think. I may have to wait 20 more years to enjoy the 2000s bad movies. Nah, nah. No. <laughs> it's, it's good, it's good. It's, it's, it's good, terrible, bad. It's good. not good, but it's good. Um, we've got here a community episode. Oh, yeah, so... Um, communi- I don't watch the community, but I want to now. So c- community is like a, a, a comedy sitcom type mm. thingy, and it was pretty popular for a while. It, it, it's kind of had a few problems with being cancelled and then uncancelled in the back. It was cancelled, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And I think it, it's you know currently back and they have hiatuses that go for too long while people renegotiate contracts and that type of thing. But they had a Dungeons & Dragons episode oh, cool. that was one of the things, you know, recently that, you know, started people talking about it again and 
if you know you pl- played D and D, it was something you could actually talk about at the water cooler. Like, did you see community? That's what I do on my Friday nights. <laughs> I guess it shows uh, the general public sort of like here. Th- this is what it is, instead of them maybe having to guess what mm-hmm. it is or think that it's too geeky or nerdy for them to play. Like a- anyone can play it, even if you've never played it before. Mm-hmm. And kind of actually like showing like what it is to like really enjoy the game and how it is, you know, not just you know nerdy guys sitting in their basement. Yeah. The head writer slash creator of Community actually has a, a little bit more of a D&D background. He does podcasts mm. um, called Harmon Town, and during each podcast they have, like, a dungeon master come up and they'll run through, like, a little bit of a campaign. Oh, cool. And there was a video game which you might remember in the, I guess, late 2000s, Summoner. I used to play it on, no. on, on PlayStation. And there's this little skit that um, happens in the credits about the characters playing D&D and, like, one of the characters playing D&D is, like, a giant demon. And so that actually came from the creative of Community. Um, he had a little comedy troupe that put it together. So that was way back in the 2000s, and he's just been kind of slowly, you know, working away, and he's kind of got back to the top of popular culture again. You wouldn't say that right now would be the peak of D&D. You'd say the 80s would have been the peak? Well, it... I think it's actually getting a little bit more out of the basements again because tabletop gaming is becoming more and more popular. And I think it's, I think, you know, it's there's a light on it again. Yeah. I think there'll always be interest in it. But with the, ra- the rise of tabletop gaming, I wasn't sure if D&D would have their part in that. But they kind of do with Descent and Ravenloft and all that. Yeah, and a, a lot of those games, which we'll get into at another time, are kind of, they, they give you the D&D experience without um, having to have someone to run the game, and so it's a lot more approachable because you don't have the time prep. Yep. Because, I mean, playing a, a game of D&D could take uh, months or weeks or years, mm-hmm. even, so... However long you want it to, essentially. Yeah. Um, but you do have to have someone that, you know, spends a couple hours each week and puts it together. I mean, I would do that if I knew the rules inside it out. I'll inside and out I would enjoy that but we we never played with the miniatures we never had miniatures if we needed a map we'd just draw it and be like you're here you're here uh, this, this is where the goblin is right beside you um, there's a fire here a wall here and treasures over there so you could see it but um, were you used to playing miniatures or have you played with the miniatures before when you're playing D&D at all? We'll get into that later. Later? Okay. Well, let's get back on track so Dungeons and Dragons, a lot of it is, as we said before, kind of popular culture influencing it and it being influenced by popular culture. So how about you talk a little bit about, since you're an author and stuff, Mm -hmm. your favorite fantasy fiction? I was looking through my library before, trying to think of something similar to uh, Dungeons and Dragons. And one of my favorite authors, Terry Pratchett, pretty much takes everything in... The Dungeons and Dragons Pathfinder World, and he's made like a comedy kind of series out of it, and it's called the Discworld books. So the Discworld, if you imagine a huge turtle traveling through space, it's got four elephants on its back, and on the back of the elephants is a round disc, and that's the Discworld. And on this world, you've got everything. I mean, you've got vampires, werewolves, orcs, golems. Goblins, dragons, humans, elves, you've got everything there. And if you did want to start at the Discworld, go and get Color of Magic. So that's part part one, and then the Light Fantastic is part two. Now, I, I read Color of Magic, and I, was, I wasn't that. I was like, yeah, okay, like, you know, it's pretty good. But the more modern stuff that Pratchett has released, I've just got more and more into it, and now I've, I buy every hardcover that he releases up there so once a year i'll get stephen king and terry pratchett my favorite pratchett books would be the moist von lipwig books so it goes from going postal so moist von lipwig is a is a thief and he is said um you can either be hung or you can go and run the post office so he goes and runs the post office then the second book is making money he does well at the post office and they go and make him run the mint and the one recently, I think it was, earlier the earlier this year was released called Raising Steam. And it's about Discworld getting their first sort of train 
train lines and stuff like that. And so it, Discworld is like a really big series. There's hundreds of books? Uh, no, I wouldn't say a hundred. I don't think there'll be a hundred. It's probably, you're probably close to 50, maybe 60. And it does kind of progress as well, as in the, the world kind of gets slowly more industrialized? Yeah, yeah, that's the way I was heading with Raising Steam. Um, the books will jump from different characters. So if you want to read about one character continuously, you'll, you may have to wait. Mm-hmm. For you know, because there's one out the Tiffany Aching books, he released We Free Men, and then he released a couple other Discworld books, and he came back with Hatful of Sky, and that had Tiffany Aching in it. And then he had to wait another year or two, and the Winter Smith came out. So, you know, if you do like a, a particular character, there are a couple of books for each one. I would definitely recommend Pratchett, it's very, very funny. Well, the, the thing about Pratchett though is that um, it's essentially fantasy parody. Yeah, it is. Do you like? Do you need a good knowledge of how fantasy works in order to be able to appreciate it? No, I think it pokes fun at itself. Really, like you don't have to know about what what elves kind of do or what orcs kind of do. He'll step you through it. I would recommend some of the earlier books because it will like hold your hand a bit while you go into it. Maybe, um, yeah, start a color of magic and go from there. Um, even Clive Barker has his own fantasy books called Aberat. They're pretty good. I think he's got three in the series already. He's written four and five, and I think he's planning on writing six and seven as well. But he had a bit of trouble trying to find a home for him, a publisher. Okay, yeah. For him. Yeah, uh, I started off my reading with fantasy, so I've gone through the major series. with. I used to read Raymond E. Feist. He was one of my, my favorite ones as a kid. Yeah, he's still doing stuff, I think. Yeah, he's still doing stuff, but he is very kind of quite pulpy. So as I started to grow up a little bit, the, the stories weren't as engaging. And I also read the Robert Jordan series, which is The Wheel of Time. And I just, uh, it kind of just got bigger and bigger and bigger. I've heard of The Wheel of Time. I've never read it. Never read any of it. Um, of course, there's, there's Game of Thrones, but that's not, I guess, when we talk about D&D, you're really talking about kind of a hero's journey. Mm-hmm. While Game of Thrones is, you know, really engaging, it kind of completely kind of throws that on the head by giving, you know, lots and lots of characters and following, you know, different people's stories and trying to create kind of a story of a realm rather than creating a story of, like, one guy who's trying to kill a dragon. Mm-hmm. But if I had to, like, recommend something, um, I used to really... One of the ones that I read as a teenager that was kind of the most enjoying was Robin Hobb's Assassin series. Yep. And it did, did some kind of really interesting things with kind of different character types and kind of what you kind of expect a hero to be. And that was really... I think Robin's going to be at Supernova next weekend. Oh, cool. I can't really recommend her later books, though. I think they get as good. Um, there's always, obviously, The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah. And, and so with D&D, like The Hobbit, Lord of the Rings, all the, and all those kind of sword and sorcery pulp stuff yeah. from, you know, from the start of the century onwards, that was the things that kind of really influenced it. And once we start talking about these series now... What they are really is, you know, post D&D fantasy realms yeah. that have uh, are dealing with a thing where everyone knows what an elf is, everyone knows what an orc is. I think any um, person on the street, you'd say, you know, what does an elf look like or what, what you know, how big's a goblin? They should kind of know, I think it's in the mainstream sort of conscience now, do you think? Yeah, and even with um, Tolkien, I believe uh, goblins and orcs are a little bit mix, mixed up, but like now everyone knows like an orc is a big thing, and yeah. a goblin is a small thing. Yeah. So the movies, they were... Orcs were a bit bigger, but goblins were about human size? No? I thought goblins were bigger still. Like, I, I kind of... I, I think they're pretty much indistinguishable. Okay. There's not much that different between them. No, I haven't seen Lord of the Rings for a while. I am enjoying the new Hobbit movies, though. Uh, yeah. Well, the second one was good. I, I, I didn't really like the first one. See, I, I have this weird thing where one of the things that like I most enjoyed about the Hobbit was kind of that strange homely feeling. Mm-hmm. Like the I, like I really liked the dwarven washing up scene. <laughs> I don't think anyone else liked that stuff. I I, I couldn't give a crap about Legolas coming back or like. People going down things in barrels or, or all the fighting and stuff. Like, that was the best scene. Yeah, screw it. <laughs> really like, you know, thinking I'm, I'm a quaint little hobbit in this little hobbit town. And, oh, no, there's people coming, uh, Mr. Hobbit. Uh, it's fun. Um, all right, so should we talk a bit about the origin of D&D? Yeah, sure. How Go. it came through? Okay, so D&D was created by Gary Gygax and David Arneson. Um, it was published in 1974 by... 
Tactical Studies Rules Incorporated, or TSR as it's known today. You know TSR, like that's pretty... I never knew what it stood for until, until you actually told me. <laughs> and the thing is, you know, TSR is now dead. It is, because yeah. it got it, Wizards of the Coast. Yeah, Wizards it. of the Coast bought it out. So, you know, Tactical Studies Rules, D&D actually started off as kind of like a small bit of a, a, a war game. So you had like a massive war with people fighting, and then you had like a alternate rule set where you'd be actually like kind of fighting in the in the little bits in between the walls, like in the little portcullis. Okay. So you needed rules for like character to character combat. Yep. And so what Gary Gygax and Dave Anderson started doing is you know incorporating kind of fantasy things and classes and that type of stuff, and so that's where we got Dungeons and Dragons. And I didn't write down the year, but it was I think in the eighties at um, Wizards of the Coast. No, 97. 97? Yep. So D- Dungeons & Dragons, or D&D, is the most well-known and most played role-playing game. An estimated 20 million people have played it since inception and has sold more than $1 billion in book sales. But like, when we're talking about D&D, it's kind of hard to distinguish um, Dungeons & Dragons and the most popular setting in Dungeons & Dragons, which is the Forgotten Realms. Yep. I didn't know about Forgotten Realms until we started playing... D&D, is it Next or 5th Edition? 5th Edition. Yeah, 5th edition. edition. Next was its secret project name. Oh, okay. So we started playing that last week or the week before. Yep. Um, I had bought the introduction box, which was, I think it was $25, and you get some dice and, the, and a bit of the, ro- and the mm-hmm. rule book and a, a campaign mm-hmm. and five preset characters. And someone had asked you, I think Tony said, is it set in the Forgotten Realms? And you said yes. No. Okay. No. no. Okay. If that's yeah. a conversation that happened, <laughs> yeah. I will believe and you. I remember thinking, what set in Forgotten Realms? What What is that? So, Forgotten Realms was created by Ed Greenwood in 1967. So, this is going back before D and D, really. Um, it was a setting for his childhood stories. Several years later, I'm not sure how he did it, but it was incorporated into D and D in the D and D like mythos through its magazine articles, and it kind of grew from there. So, we we're talking just before we recorded about the alternatives to Forgotten Realms, and that, and you're saying that it could be... You, you could just make up your own world? Yeah, so with D&D, D&D is like a system that gives you like a series of rules in which to play play the game, but you can have, you know, different settings in there, and I, there's not, I don't believe there's any release for 5th edition yet, but um, in the early editions, you used to have things where you had like Ravenloft, which is kind of like a horror one. There was like an Arabian Nights-themed one. There's like steampunk ones. But Ravenloft is still sword, sorcery, elves, orcs. Yeah, so... But the storyline is more vampire. Yes. Okay. But it is, you know, like essentially you're in Transylvania like we are with our Pathfinder thing now. Yep, yep. The the Pathfinder campaign we're playing is very Ravenloft-influenced. I was meant to look up the name of the campaign we're playing. Mm -hmm. I didn't do that. And there's there's a board game which I've always played, um, which is called Castle Ravenloft. And it is uh, based on one of the more famous campaigns where you have to go through this castle, which was like extremely hard, and there was all these monsters in there, and you had to eventually, you know, eventually get to essentially Dracula to try and kill him. So you can go to your game shop and buy this castle Ravenloft for maybe eighty bucks, I think it is, and it gives you the miniatures. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you get a, a, it, it is a board game, so you get the board. And you get the pre-made sort of character sheets. It is D&D, essentially, but there's no Game Master. You just play it kind of by turning over tiles and then reading text, and that tells you what the monsters do. I really don't mind e- e- either board game or the full role-playing experience. With the full role-playing, you do get to evolve your character more, and as you go up levels, assign it new skills, and it's up to you where you put those skills. Weapons, um, sort of like what magic spells you want to use, but with the board games, it's sort of like... That's sort of it. There's no growing your character, is there? Oh, no, no, no. There, de- there definitely is. There's just, I guess, less scope. Okay. So I believe you can go from level one to level two with the basic one. And I think if you get expansions, you can go even further. And it is the same dice uh, system. Roll a d20 for perception. Yeah, yeah, yeah. D8 for damage and all that. But ma- ma- mainly you're just killing things just in Castle them. Ravenloft. But we got distracted. We were talking about Forgotten Realms. Forgotten Realms. Forgotten Realms is an Earth-like planet, but instead of being ruled by humans, it's equally ruled by dwarves, elves, humans, goblins, and orcs, and other fantastical creatures. 
it resembles a pre-industrial 13th or 14th century Earth. Yeah, kind of depending where exactly you are. It might be a little bit more basic. It might be a little bit more advanced. So th this is kind of the one that's really influenced by Tolkien. And you have things that have kind of happened over the, over the kind of uh, development where copyrighted information has kind of come in and gone out. And so, for example, Halflings, mm -hmm. which are essentially hobbits, yep. they used to actually be called hobbits. The, okay. Yeah, until to, until Tolkien estate is like, hey, um, no, you, you I, I, own, I own those words, but orcs was okay because orcs was already like an established word, yep. as it was goblins and elves and that type of stuff. Yeah. So, Tolkien invented the word hobbit. Yeah. He didn't invent the word orc. Yes. And it, it's also kind of what has been like established in other generic copyright things. So after Tolkien, if people started using orcs and orcs and orcs and orcs, and nobody complained about it, mm -hmm. then he's lost the copyright for that. Oh, okay. Is that yeah. how it works? Yeah, you, you got to fight for it. Oh, okay. you got to fight for it. got to fight for it. And so what's kind of distinctive about Forgotten Realms, which you don't get in Pathfinder, is some of the more iconic D&D beasties. So what you are probably most familiar with is the Beholder, which is that kind of big floating thing with lots and lots of eyes. Does it have one eye, but its tentacles has eyes? Yeah, so that it, what it, it has, you know, um, tentacles coming off, and on the end of the tentacles is eyes, so it has lots of eye stalks. So in D&D, that is a beholder, but you can have it in other kind of uh, similar settings, and it's called like an eye tyrant or something generic. And they're more, they're a mob boss, aren't they? Yeah, they're yeah. sort of a, a big figure in the underground world in D&D. Yeah, so they, they are very much kind of scheming evil creatures, our dungeon master mentioned the other day that he he watched the D D and D movie and mm. he was he was pretty upset that they had one of like beholders as, as essentially a guard dog. Yeah. They didn't give him the intelligence it deserves. Yeah, and one and one guy we play with uh, D and D uh, Pathfinder Tony has a big beholder tattoo. Mm. And you've gotten here owl bears, which yeah. interests me a lot. What's uh, an owl bear? You don't know what an owl bear no. is. Okay. So th there was a thing on Tabletop, I think, Season 2, where they did one of the Forgotten Realms set games, oh, which cool. is Lords of Waterdeep. Yep. And there's, like, owl bears and that. And owl bears are kind of what they sound like, which is, like, a giant bear-type creature, mm. but it's got, like, the head of an owl. So there was a little meme going around with, awesome. with little owl bears popping up and doing stuff <laughs> on the internets. Do you have Lords of Waterdeep? I feel like I've played it. Um, no, I don't have Some, Lords of Waterdeep. Does someone have it? Um, someone probably has it. One of your friends might have it. So I've played it. We'll, we'll get into it next time. One of us will buy it. D&D 4th Edition is an updated Forgotten Rounds with a new rule set, which Jason can talk about. But it's moved forward 104 years, I found out. Yeah, so generally, like, with the... Instead of, you know, just having, this is a realm, there's elves and orcs and stuff. Like, things will happen as you go throughout and as you go through the different editions. So one of the big things that happened with 4th Edition is that they had like a like a spell cataclysm that happened and you know certain people got different spell scars which gave um certain powers etc cetera, etc cetera. so that was a story so if you come in D&D 4th edition it sets you up like this is what's happened since last sort of episode or last yeah, time yeah yeah last time and you could import your new characters saying you know they somehow traveled through time or you could you know just essentially ignore that and it could be do... frozen yeah. In ice. Yeah, if you and want. thawed out. Or you can just essentially do whatever you want Solution. and go shoot some goblins in a, a backwood somewhere and not deal with the main story. Oh, that's always fun. I don't really know the, the the key differences between fourth or fifth and fourth. Well, the key differences between all the editions. So we, I, I haven't actually mentioned this. Um, so there is a thing with the internet and the edition wars. <laughs> so pretty much... Whenever anyone would like mention, oh, I, I'm playing D and D. I like Fourth Edition on the internet. That you, you would start a massive comment war about <laughs> Pathfinder is better. No, Fourth Edition is better. No, Pathfinder is better. No, 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 no. They're all gone too far. Let's go back to Advanced D and D Second Edition. Let's go back to First Edition. Yeah, Original D and D. Yeah. Uh, one of my friends is actually playing. Uh, I think Second Edition at the moment. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty old school now. Yeah. Um. It's. I think it's actually a simpler system. I'm not really sure though. Um. I remember trying to put a group together to start playing and you and boom were like 3.5 4 3.5 4 for ages and then uh, we played pathfinder yeah when, when boom says 3.5 uh boom is our dungeon master yep. he, he means pathfinder yeah yeah um so i've been playing fourth edition for a while and if i was going to run a game at that point it was going to be fourth edition boom was happy to run a game 
I didn't really have the time to put forward to it, so we did Pathfinder. Should I talk about Pathfinder while we're talking about 3.5? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, let, let's keep going. Okay, okay. Pathfinder was first published in 2009, and this is how I'm going to pronounce it. Paizo? Uh, I say Paizo. Paizo. Paizo Publishing. And it extends and modifies the... Well, I've gotten here third edition, but I think it's 3.5. Yeah, um, so let's... Keep, keep going? No, we're going to... No. That's me rewinding. Oh, yeah. Does that sound like rewinding? That sounds like an old uh, cassette tape, like being jammed. Yeah. We can so, rewind. So th- there was a big split that kind of happened with 4th edition, which we kind of glossed over before. So Wizards of the Coast bought out TSR in the late 90s, yep. and they released 3rd editions in 2000. So that was a unification of the existing like, kind of parallel rule sets. At that point, they had both basic and advanced D&D. Okay, I remember AD&D and D&D. Yeah, so they kind of squished those together, and they pretty much like streamlined everything and started going forward with what they wanted to do. And they also created a new overarching system called the D20 system, and they actually released this generally out into the wild, saying this is the D20 system, you can modify this and use it as you want for your your own games. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was called an open gaming license at that point. Yep. Third edition did have some problems, though. I can't really tell you exactly what they are, but there were people complaining about it. So eventually, a few years after, they came out with 3.5. And 3.5 was meant to kind of fix some of the issues that some people had. And then a few years later again, in around 2007, 4th edition came out. And Wizards of the Coast moved away from the open gaming license system, which is still pretty much like out there on the internet mm-hmm. and people still use it to develop games. Yep. But they moved to a new proprietary license system. Okay. And this is kind of where Paizo comes in. Paizo was actually publishing D- a D&D magazine up until 2007. I don't think... It was available here. It might have been. I don't remember ever seeing it. D&D I was not looking. No. <laughs> in 2007, D&D did not renew their licensing with Paizo Publishing for the magazine, so Paizo went and created Pathfinder in its replacement. The people of Paizo didn't like the D&D 4th edition rules, so they thought it was too restrictive. So Pathfinder was created using more of the D&D 3.5 rules. And according to like the open gaming license, that was completely fine. But with Pathfinder, you don't have those D&D beasties which we talked about. So you won't see Displacer Beasts, you won't see Owlbears, you won't see Beholders. They have their... They, they, they would have created their own sort of big yeah. monsters. But if you're talking like traditional, I want to mm. fight a Beholder, yeah. you're not going to get that in Pathfinder. Yeah, you, you, you'll get the dodgy off-brand version. <laughs> I read that most people were kind of split for the decision. So you've got people who are very loyal to D&D. Mm-hmm. They stayed with D&D. And those who were preferred the rules of 3.5, and they moved over to Pathfinder. And oh, something to kind of mention is, okay, so we've been playing Pathfinder for a while now, yep. and Pathfinder has pretty much been there not just since like 2007, etc., when we had 4th edition, it's also got all the 3.5 stuff, which it's kind of put into its system. So it's got just so much stuff there. I really enjoy Pathfinder. Mm-hmm. I think we've been playing our campaign for maybe seven or eight months. Mm-hmm. And we are in there for the long run. I think Boom said maybe it's a two-year campaign. Mm-hmm. So we're not even halfway yet. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed it. But now we're starting to play the D&D 5 yeah, fifth edition. Which, which is, um, I thought it would be almost identical, but it's really not. It's definitely a different system. But before we jump forward all the way to fifth edition, the thing with Pathfinder is that how long did it take us to create characters? Our very first sit down to play, it would have taken nearly two hours. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But there were there was four. There's four of us. Yeah, there was there was four of us, and there's just so many options that it's like really hard to choose. Yeah. Because you don't just have I I want to be a fighter you also have 30 different fighter subtypes that you could choose. And assigning your skills, and there's only one book. Mm -hmm. You knew what you were doing from memory, and you would just ask the odd question Mm -hmm. or the occasional question. I didn't know what to do, and Tony and Craig both didn't know what to do. So Boone was having to go around, Mm -hmm. kind of stagger his attention to each of us Mm -hmm. to create these characters, and it did take a long time. But once that's done, you know, we're up and running, and eight months later... Mm -hmm. I think we're level three or four now. I, I think we're level three or four. <laughs> so I actually started with, with fourth edition, and that is actually kind of where like my main entry into tabletop gaming was. One of my friends is like, we should kind of play D&D. And I'm like, okay, let's play D&D. And I got the box and made us all play. When was that? Five so years you're ago. you're cheating on us. 
No, no. Ages oh, okay. ago, ages oh, okay. ago, right. ages ago. So I've been I've been playing four for a while. We played it for two years, pretty much straight. We used to do Tuesdays every night. Oh, cool. And occasionally we would have off nights where we just go and play normal board games, or no one would come and we just go have beers or whatever. So we started first, and I think we pretty much got up to tenth level, tenth, eleventh, twelfth, somewhere around there. Mm. So with fourth edition Wizards of the Coast, we're definitely trying to fix a few things, and move in a kind of new direction. So with third and all the other editions of D&D, you kind of have this culture that kind of sprang up around it. There were a few things where, you know, people would try and go into a game and, like, break it and use whatever sub-rules they could to get through encounters easily. So there's this mythic legend where you could somehow summon a whale. So what you do, instead of, like, throwing a fireball or getting through an encounter like normal, you just summon a whale about 100 foot in the air, let it drop on everyone, and would do massive amounts of damage. <laughs> I don't know whether that's actual thing that happened or whether it's just in like kind of internet rumor that kind of spread across itself. One of the other things they did is that with all the early editions and back again with fifth edition now is that you had these nine alignments you could be. And th these are really iconic things. You can have a look on the internet and you'll see things with like Batman arguing about whether he is a specific alignment. So you have kind of two axes. Yep. You have neutral in the middle. On one axe, you have axis. I'm just going to say axe. It's, okay. it's not the right word, but it sounds cooler. <laughs> so um, on one axe, you have lawful to chaotic yep. um, with neutral in the middle. Mm -hmm. On the other axe, you have uh, good. good to bad. Evil. Yeah, good to evil. So you could be completely crazy serial killer. I'm just going to do crazy stuff and yep. kill everyone. That's chaotic evil. Yep. You could be lawful evil, which is like you're a bad guy, but you're not going to just start killing people in the streets. Mm. You, you hear to the law, so that's like people that would do bad things within the law, corrupt cops, etc. Hmm. Um, and then you have lawful good, and that's like, like a good guy. That's like a sheriff. That's, I'm um, doing the stuff, a paladin. Does that, like, really come into the gameplay? It does, actually. I'll get to that in a second. And okay. the final one is chaotic good, and that's like someone, I'm good, but I just do crazy stuff sometimes. But good stuff. Yeah, good stuff. But you would also mess with the law. Like, I don't, I don't believe we should follow this rule. I'm just going to go this way. Uh, but 4th edition said, okay, when we give people those options and people are playing with other people and it's not necessarily a really controlled situation with their friends, they can break games. So if you let someone be like a chaotic good character, yep. they would sometimes just do random stuff that would you know detract from everyone else's experience. Mm -hmm. I guess you do have to sort of corral everyone facing the right way, so to speak. Come yeah. this way, and if someone's going to be a bit of a, mm -hmm. a jerk and go another way or go against, you know, it's just going to be quite difficult even for the DM and also frustrating for everyone. Mm -hmm. So they eliminated a few alignments. They said you could not be chaotic good, you could not be chaotic neutral, okay. you could not be lawful neutral, and you could not be lawful evil. Oh, I took half of them out. Yeah, they, 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 they took half of them out, so it kind of restricted it. So if you were going to be like full evil, you were chaotic evil, and you were also less likely to like accept those people into your party. Mm, okay. Wow, I don't even remember what I am for either of my characters. Well, for early editions and Pathfinder, mm. there is like an actual influence on alignment. Yep. And that's, a, for example, if you're a cleric, mm -hmm. you're aligned to a particular deity. Yep. And deity, god, dude, yep. or lady, mm -hmm. however <laughs> you like it. Or thing. Yeah, yeah. Could be. Um, and if you do something, for example, if you're a good aligned god and you do something evil and you keep on doing evil things, you would lose your alignment mm. and you could no longer access those special powers. Do the clerics have deities in 5th edition? Or is it... I thought I read somewhere that it was... They took that out and now you just kind of use the elements or something? No, no, you, 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 still, have oh, you okay. still have deities. Okay. And, and so each deity generally has like a domain. So you might have order, chaos, or mm. something like that. But yeah, it, it definitely has an influence on it. So they kind of took that out and they... What they tried to do was make things a little bit less crazy. Yep. And a lot of people didn't like that. They thought it was like just a little bit too samey. Too restrictive? Yeah. So you had kind of four different character roles. Yep. And in the different character roles, you had, you know, lots of classes within that. So, for example, a striker is like your damage guy. Mm. So you could be, you know, a rogue or you could be a ranger or you could be a warlock. Oh, so something that causes damage from magic? Yeah, no, yep, not necessarily no. causes damage from that, just causes damage. So, a so, tank, if you're speaking World of Warcraft terms? No. No, okay. No. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but 
your tank would be your defender. Right. So they're the guy that soaks damage, and they have a medium output of damage. But I believe in World of Warcraft terms, I don't know what they're called, damage dealer. Yeah, I don't know. But essentially, Striker is the one that does a lot of damage. Okay. And the thing is that they kind of all work the same to a degree. Mm. Each of them would have like a special power where you would have to mark someone, and then you could do extra damage to that person that is marked. Okay. Um, and so they kind of started to feel pretty samey. Mm. There was nothing you could do that would kind of like just be completely far out. But like it was also for me like quite fun. I had fun building different characters and trying to see what would actually work. As in terms of okay, I want to build like an ice wizard, mm. or I want to build like a warlock that just like does like strange like poison spells mm. and all that type of stuff. So I think it was like really quite thematic and the, the breadth of things you could do was really amazing. I actually found it a little bit more approachable than Pathfinder um, because they had a, an internet character builder that you could just go in and press options and stuff. Yep. So that's something we were able to go into when we started playing, which would have been, let's say five years ago mm. when it's already like a large amount of options in fourth edition. And you could just go in and you could get monster sheets. You could get characters and you could just build them really quickly and intuitively. They don't have that anymore. Um, I don't believe they've set it up with 5th edition yet. I'm not 100% sure. Did they release a 4.5 edition, or they went straight from 4th to 5th? Straight from 4th to 5th. Okay. And I, I believe the changeover from 4th to 5th is the smallest time between editions. A year, a couple of years? Uh, 2007 to 2014, seven oh, years. Oh, wow. That, and that's the, the least gap. Yeah, the least gap. And so some people, you know do complain the kind of money-grabbing, but I think 4th edition was kind of dying. Seven years is money-grabbing? Mm. Man, I'd yeah. say uh, two years would be money-grabbing. Yes. This isn't Magic the Gathering when they have two years, your cards are out. Yeah, yeah. So, like, like we, I know some people have problems with 4th edition, but we really had fun. I did do some things, like, as a dungeon master to try and speed things up. Mm. So by the time we got towards the end of it, I, I, like, had house rules, which would mean that you would just do more damage. Okay. And to make your, your dice rolls being a little bit more meaningful. Mm -hmm. So if you had like a decent hit, so if you roll a 15, you would do more damage and you'd get through encounters quicker. Was halflings can't roll a 1? Was that a house rule? No, that's a real rule. Okay. That's something that's, it is probably in Pathfinder as well. Okay. It's a it's a very kind of like iconic rule within D&D and D&D-like systems. So 5th edition came out this year? Yeah. 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 So obviously, I mean, I, I did buy the starter pack, like I said earlier. But you would probably know more. What What do you think of fifth edition? Do you are you? I really like fifth edition. I wouldn't do a fourth edition campaign again. Okay. Um, fifth edition is a little bit more approachable. I don't have to quite explain as much because you can pretty much like go okay. So you've got a thing. I can give you a character, or you can choose a character relatively easily mm. because instead of like having to pick kind of a million different feats and stuff, yep. you can actually say okay, I want to be um, an elf. Okay, what sort of class do you want to be? Oh, maybe you'd like to be like an archetype guy. How about you try a ranger? These are some different backgrounds that might make sense for you, and they actually give you like kind of feats that will start working. Mm -hmm. And as you get more into the system, you can start making those bigger choices. I was very anti-pre-made characters. I never, ever wanted to use a pre-made character. I always want to start from scratch, even if it did take an hour or two. Mm -hmm. But even when we played um, the fifth edition the other week, I used a pre-made character, but you had sent through an email telling us that we had to come up with a lot of the backstory, a lot of the, I think that's, is that a new sort of... Yeah, so w what 5th edition does is they have tried to respond to the critiques of 4th, and the critiques of 4th were that it did feel too video gamey, and one of the things they didn't mention is that um, with 4th edition, just like you have with a video game, you start getting powers, and you get more and more and more powers, so... By the time you got to, like, 10th level, you had, like, uh, 10 different powers that were activated um, differently. So you had some that you could use whenever you wanted. Mm. You had some that you could only use one per encounter yep. and some that you could only use once per day. And so you had to, like, tick off the different powers you have. And whenever it's like, okay, it's my turn in battle. Wait a second. I want to use um, magic missile. <laughs> and the thing, that wasn't just a wizard thing anymore. Yep. That was a fighter thing as well. Oh, okay. So the fighter would have the swing around in a circle power and hit everyone. <laughs> yeah. And that type of stuff. Okay. I thought magic was only restricted to certain classes. Well, well, it's they just have, like, more powers, and it's no longer, like, a spell. Okay. You just have a power that's linked to, you know, being, like, a cool fighter guy. And that's 5th edition sort of 
new stuff. No, uh, that's fourth edition. Fourth sorry, edition, fourth, okay. fourth edition. And they've pretty much cut that all out of fifth, and they've gone back to a simpler time. So there's less power powers and stuff. Yep. Um, they also try to make it a little bit more intuitive. So there's less general modifiers. The one of the the key things in this is with um, advantage. So in previous editions, you used to get advantage and disadvantage on certain things. So with Pathfinder, I think it really only comes into flanking. There's one guy behind an uh, enemy and another guy on the other side. Yep. You get a bonus to hit, and that's like a plus two or whatever. Yeah, that's same as Pathfinder. Yeah, I'm so th- sure. that's that's how it works in Pathfinder. Yep. And with fourth edition, you can have advantage and disadvantage for flanking and for numerous other things, and that's a plus two of its advantage, minus two of its disadvantage. Um, and the big change with fifth edition is that instead of all those kind of pluses and minuses and, okay, I'm the closest character now, so now I get a plus one, and then I also get a plus two because I'm, I'm flanking or someone's on the other side and I've got the special feat which says if my friend's near and then I get a plus two, etc. You just have advantage or disadvantage. If you have advantage, you get to roll 2d20s and you pick your favorite. If you have disadvantage, you roll 2d20s and you do not pick your favorite. You get the worst oh, one. Okay. Because... When I read about the 2D20s, I was just... I was shaking my head. What is this? This is insane. I don't understand. Why do you roll 2D20s and then pick your best? I'm like, that's cheating. Mm-hmm. But now that you said it now, yeah, I guess it makes more sense. So what it kind of represents is you having like that split second yep. to kind of follow two different paths of thing because, you know, you're sneaking up behind someone or he's, you know, laying down on the ground, so you have, like, a little bit more time to think and a little more time to go, okay, this is the strike I want to make. The only other thing I noticed that was different on the character sheet, and I forget what it's called, but down the bottom left, a will perception or something? No? I've got 13. Mm-hmm. Tony, uh, Craig had 10. Mm-hmm. And Boom had 13 as well. And we are using that number a lot. Oh, we use that, we use that in Pathfinder as well. But you just don't notice as much. Oh, okay. Because either Boom makes us roll, yep. or he's already got the number written down, so he tells us what happens. It's not perception, is it? Yeah, it's perception. So in D and D fifth, you've got you've got perception and you've got will perception. You've or got you've perception got and p- passive perception. Passive perception. So the um, s- sometimes when you're in D and D, you're doing active stuff. So if you're standing on top of a, a rock and looking around the horizon, you're trying to look for stuff. So you roll a D twenty and see what you see. But if you're just strolling through the forest and someone's trying to sneak up on you, yep. you're not being active. You mm. just get like a passive roll. It's essentially 10 plus whatever your perception is. Yeah, I think mine's 13. So you don't have to roll. You just go, Yep. okay, if, if they have anything higher than the 8, then they see this person coming. Mm-hmm. Saves time again, I suppose. Yeah, so I think that kind of like sums up like a key part of the change, which is trying to do simple, simpler, more intuitive rules rather than lots of different edge cases and modifiers and that type of stuff. They're also trying to bring in the storytelling aspect that you see from more contemporary RPGs. So up until this point, Dungeons & Dragons has definitely been a role-playing game, but it's mostly been a game, and especially with 4th edition, a game about like having a character that has like a class and stuff and how that performs in combat. Yep. With 4th edition, like one of the reasons that we started doing house rules is that combat took an hour and a half sometimes. Really? Yeah, it was really long. What was that? Uh, third, fourth edition? Yeah, fourth edition. Okay. And it was, you know, very much based on the character grid, miniature grid, so you'd have to move around and try and get in the best position. Yeah. And then you'd just be, like, hitting this guy again and again <laughs> and again. He's not dying. <laughs> and you'd have special, you know, break points where characters would become bloodied and that would be the, their, their halfway point. Yep. Et cetera, et cetera. So maybe they looked at that and went, this has taken far too long. Yeah, and so what they've done is that they've tried to reduce that, put the emphasis back on role-playing, and also make role-playing a key part of the mechanics. So there's a few things in here now. There's a few things that don't really come into it that much, but there's one key thing, and that's your floor. Every character has a floor now. Yep. Do you remember what your floor is, Mitch? Um, we, we actually had a bit of a problem with this in-game, didn't we? <laughs> we couldn't remember uh, which one. I think I was... It's either... I don't think before I act, I just run into battle, or mm-hmm. it was... You were um, uh, I was a penny pincher. I was an accountant, yeah. and now I'm a cleric? No? What am I? <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> Mitch has forgotten everything. Am I a cleric? Yes, you're a cleric. Yeah. You're a dwarven cleric. Yep. 
and um, we couldn't decide which one. We decided in the email conversation. You either had your special character flaw was that like you'd spend all this time behind a desk. Yep. So when like you got into battle, like you were more likely just to do random brave stuff rather than really think it through. Yep. Because you wanted to prove yourself. So I get minus two to everything. No, you don't get minus two to everything when when you when you play on your floor. Yep. What generally happens is because it's a floor a bad thing will likely happen. Yep. So, for example, if you're arrogant yep. and you treat someone terribly because you're an arrogant asshole... That's not me. Yeah, but, for example, yeah. <laughs> if you treat someone and be arrogant towards them, they're probably going to feel negatively towards you. Yep. So you're using your flaw, so you get a little bonus for that. Okay. And the bonus is you get a D6, mm. and you can use that in a future role. Oh, cool. So, for example, um, Boom, mm. who's our DM and was playing as a player character this time yep. what he did was his character has an inflated sense of self-worth he thinks that he's like a hero and no matter what he can do do anything mm. so what he did in, in in last battle instead of like doing something safe he pretty much like just ran past this goblin and let it hit him and come around behind this guy and did like a massive strike that ended up killing him but because you know it could have potentially went really bad mm. he got that little ins- inspiration so what do i have to do to get that bonus d6 do i have to do my floor yes you have to you have to call upon your floor so what i don't know what would i have to do like just go head first in the battle without thinking yeah so so for example if there were you know a bunch of goblins over there yep there were um, goblins yep and everyone's like okay i don't think we can take all those goblins and you're like screw this okay and run into battle that I would do have a warhammer and my armor jingles so it's minus 2 to stealth yes <laughs> Which and is annoying. I did give you a couple opportunities to, you know, be brave, but you decided not to be brave. I don't think I understood it entirely. So next time, I will do that. Okay. And we'll work out which which one it is, whether it's penny pinching or the bravery stuff. It's not like, not penny pinching as in stealing money. No, it, it's it, like uh, it's, being it, a tight. Yeah, as in like, you really want to keep control of the, of the like, the group finances. Well, that's what they. Everyone has been giving me their money so yeah. far. So you're like, okay, we, we we can't afford to go to an inn. We've only got three silver pieces. We're going to sleep outside tonight. Oh, that'd be why they were asking me that a hundred times. I said, I don't know. Let's. Um, we've got plenty of money now. So that's pretty much the two major sword and sorcery role playing games, or the two very popular ones. Yeah, well, in terms of yeah, sword and sorcery role playing games, definitely like they're the ones at the top. There are a couple other ones. Yep. There's uh Savage Worlds and Thirteen Eight Thirteenth Age. I have looked into those a little bit. I can't really remember enough to tell them about you. No. We were thinking of moving on to something after we did fourth edition. Those are a couple of things we we looked at. There's also one um based on Dragon Age, the video game. They actually play that on tabletop. Dragon Age, the the movie? No, the video game. Oh, okay. Um, Dragon Age, Dragon Age 2, and Dragon Age Inquisition. Okay, yep, yep. So it's it's set within that setting, and you get to use a, kind of like a modified version of the rules within the computer game that are kind of powering everything. So they just have dragons and humans? There's no orcs or Oh, no, the, the, there's, um, there's still those type of characters. You have elves. You don't have orcs. You have, um, I think, blight creatures. I can't really remember. It's been a while since I played the actual Dragon Age game. Mm. And there are different RPGs, different role-playing games. Um, There are a lot that kind of harken back to the earlier days where things were were a lot harder and you would more likely die all the time. Um, Sounds like um, Elder Scrolls. Yeah, well, like like Elder Scrolls, one one of the more popular ones is um, Torchbearer. I haven't played this, but it is really interesting. Like, instead of actually taking health damage... What happens is, like, when you get hit, you get a condition. Right. So, for example, if you, you know, get stabbed, you mm. might become bleeding. Or if you get poisoned, you become poisoned. Or you might be blinded, etc., etc. Mm. Or you might, you know, just get tired. Yeah, okay. And, you know, when you have three conditions, you die. I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> so you might be, like, a tired poison guy, you know, trying to make his way through a dungeon. But you got full health. Yeah. Okay. Well, you don't have full health. You don't have, <laughs> like, a health meter. Right. And when you get okay. those, that third condition, you die. Oh. So it, it, it also means, like, you kind of play things a little bit more safe. Like, you might not just want to, like, run out and kill the creature. You might want to just, like, fend off the creature a little bit, mm. try and make it run away so you don't get another condition and die. Sounds interesting, I guess. Yeah, it's interesting. And there's, all, there's also, you know, more one-off RPGs and that type of stuff. But we're, we won't go into that too much. No, we always um, look at stuff on Kickstarter as well because we like to... 
look at things on the internet Pro- and spend money. Promote and help them get that started. Now, you, you looked at one. Yeah, well, so we're talking about RPGs. Like, Kickstarter is a real area of growth for RPGs because as opposed to, like, a board game, etc., you can actually do an RPG and put it together for a few thousand dollars, send books out, or just do PDFs, whatever you want to do. So if you can think of an RPG, if you can think of a general, like, a setting or whatever, it's probably on Kickstarter somewhere. It's been gone, but you can probably go and find it. So if you want to, you know, play Cthulhu, or you want to think you're Indiana Jones, or you want to think you're a Cthulhu-inspired Indiana Jones, that's probably there. So they've they've taken the D20 system? Well, some of them are D20 systems. Some of them are different systems. One of the, the big systems that goes around is Fate, and um, it is much more a storytelling-inspired system. Yeah. So there's a lot of... Cthulhu is Fate, no? There's a lot of games that are using the Fate yeah, system. Yeah, I've heard of it. So right now there is like a noir kind of sword and sorcery D&D mashup called Shotguns and Sorcery. That sounds awesome. Yeah, you, you should you should go check it out. I will check it out um, tonight. I am personally backing Paranoia, mm. which is a reboot of an old RPG, essentially where you are being told to do things by um, a giant computer. Yeah. Um, and so like it's controlling your actions and you all have strange different levels of clearance and you have to kind of make sure that computer always thinks you're doing what it says and not try and deviate from paths, but terrible things tend to happen. So it, it is also based on, like, smaller uh, smaller campaigns. Yep. So generally you will go through just, like, in one night or maybe a couple of nights, and your guys might die or, you know, get taken out the back and disappear, and then you'll reappear as, like, a new clone. <laughs> so um, it's something that I'm really excited about. Yeah, sounds cool. I mean, I'm definitely interested in shotguns and sorcery, so I'll check that out. Are they releasing it as a... Like a printed book? Yes, or I believe like so. A downloaded. I, I I believe so. Cool. Uh, and Goblin Quest is a kind of Australian-based Kickstarter. The the guy is um, British-based, but he is living in Sydney. Yep. And that's another little one-off thing where essentially you play goblins. Yeah. And you have to try and do something, which for goblins could be stealing a wizard's hat or trying to fight some guy or do some stupid goblin stuff, which mm. will probably get you killed and does. Yep. So you start with, everybody has like a little family or clan of goblins. Yep. And you go throughout the game and you will you will die. Like you will do a thing and you will try and get it, but your goblins get killed and die. And it's kind of like a game of attrition, like trying, okay, I'm going to see if I can do it this way. And then your goblin dies horribly and like, maybe that way is not a good thing. <laughs> or he can die and, you know, somehow benefit you. And then you control, you know, the next goblin in line. And that's on Kickstarter? Um, it's actually finished now. Um, you can check it out. Check it out on Kickstarter, and it will give you further links about when it will be available and stuff. I'm a backer for that one as well, so I'll be excited when it comes out. I think in February. So you back a fair bit on Kickstarter. Uh, yeah, I do. I have problems. What do you <laughs> What do you put in the search? Just board games. Filter things by tabletop games. Okay. Because sometimes I find it hard to find stuff on Kickstarter. So I'd, I'd like to look at, you know, steampunk or sword and sorcery board games. Uh, created by Australian people, so I can try and support them. But normally I'm looking at other things and I can't find it. Mostly what I do is that I uh, have a look at things that are kind of trending around different things on the internet. Yep. So there's a kick track, which will do like the top 10 board games. On Kickstarter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you can see what is popular. And you can just go to Kickstarter itself and look at board games, and it will have like the most popular ones at the moment. That's cool. In the past, I have like, I just kind of scroll through things because I do do Kickstarter stuff, so I'm interested in what's happening and what's going well. Yep. And sometimes you do kind of find hidden, hidden gems there. Cool. So we'll wrap it up. Pathfinder or D&D? No preference? Well, if, I, if I'm going to run a campaign, I'm going to run 5th edition. I I do prefer in, in terms I think it's a lot more approachable. The way you play it? Yeah, the, the way you play it. And I, and I do like the stuff where it does encourage you to involve your character a little bit more. Yep. So um, I think I, I started to kind of get a good sense of Boom's character in the last thing. Mm. Um, and I'm excited to try and get to involve the crew to try and bring out their different character things and make them feel kind of more lively. And It's hard, I think, for the first time around. Like for, for myself, I actually don't know my character enough to play that character. What I'm playing is a dwarf with a warhammer. Yeah. And that's and that's what it becomes. Like when I play Pathfinder, I'm a bard with a rapier. Mm-hmm. And I need to try and get in my character's head the thing, you know, would he do this? Would he do that? And I think as a game master, 5th edition gives you more tools to force your players to it make does. those decisions. Yep. So if I, if I like, put you in something, for example, uh, uh, 
one of the other guys are playing Craig. Yep. His character is a halfling, and he has like a special flaw where he doesn't want his aunt to find out that he's been like a terrible like uh, thief. <laughs> So I can specifically put something in the story that makes him make those decisions. Yeah. And that, like, he's like, okay, this is your flaw. If you do something, I'm going to give you a bonus for it. Okay. Yeah. Now that I know it more, um, next time we play, I'm definitely going to... Because they're, they're, they're pre-made characters with, with some background, but emailed yeah. each other we with the background. Them, yeah. Which I printed out. I've just got to reread it and maybe sit down and really get to know this, mm. this dwarven cleric. How do you feel? Do you have a preference? I had been enjoying the Pathfinder story, mm-hmm. and I was so used to the way Pathfinder was run mm-hmm. that I was excited to go over to D&D to try it again. Because, you know, D&D is classic. Mm-hmm. It goes back so long. Well, it's classic, but it's also new now. It's new now, and I was a little bit put off by some of the, you know, that perception thing, but but you've now told me that that that's in Pathfinder as well, and the 2D20 system, and... And and all the information I had to give you and all these, like, character flaws and all this other stuff, I was just thinking, like, I'm not going to use this. But I didn't understand how it actually is used in gameplay. I'd, I'd put them both up equally. I mean, I'd like to play D&D again to give my character another another try. I really okay. have no preference. If you were, like, someone starting off and you're like, okay, I've got a group of four people that want to get together and they want to play D&D, yep. where would you point them? I'd say go get the D&D next box set. It's 25 bucks. you get dice, and one person can read it and know it in a day. Yeah. Or a couple of hours, maybe. Yeah. Even even if, like, your kids or, you know, your nephews or something want to play it, I'm sure mm-hmm. it's pretty straight up. Yeah. It's yeah. not overly difficult. I, I, I don't think it is. No. I sometimes don't know what to roll, but if they go, if the DM goes, okay, roll for this, just roll a d20. Yeah, yeah. Just It's always a d20 unless they specify... Otherwise, mm-hmm. and then when you do damage, then you look at your sheet and then you find out oh, roll a d8 plus two or a d6 plus one or something. Okay, I'm gonna roll a d20 now. 11. Okay, do you want to roll one? Uh, you will hear two. Your... <laughs> that's a 13, that's slightly better. That's okay. So, um, we'll try to get the next D&D part two up. We'll try before New Year's, do you think? Well, let's try. Definitely try, and I've got the next two weeks, two weekends. I'm going to be busy, so after that we might be able. To, and I go to Darwin at, in, at, at Christmas time, so we'll try to get one in as soon as possible. Um, other than that, we'll see you next time. Roll high or go home. Pop pop. <laughs>